Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Good morning, Bethlehem Covenant Church. Thanks so much for joining us here on February 18th. Hope you had a wonderful week. Um, This past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, and so this is the first Sunday in Lent. Lent is six weeks until Easter. And so six weeks from today on March 31st, um, we will have Easter together. And so during those six weeks, um, we have a couple things for you to maybe be able to put Christ and the cross in more of a, a focus. Uh, for you over this next month and a half, just to kind of keep that in your minds. We have these Easter uh, devotionals. And so every day there is a scripture to read and then also um, some pages there for you to write some of your own thoughts on that scripture. And uh, then we're encouraging people uh, to take maybe a little walk every day. And so during that time of walk, not only are you getting exercise, you're also getting some time of prayer with God. And so this could be a six-week kind of commitment where you read a little scripture, take a little walk of prayer, and you write some things down. Um, We also have in these bags in the back of our church here in the foyer, we have a little project for you and your family if you would like it uh, to take it home. There is a cross in there. And there are different little pieces that every Sunday, so these six weeks leading up to Easter, every Sunday you add another piece on the cross, like the crown of thorns or the purple robe, um, which remembers that he is the king of all kings when he rode in uh, on Palm Sunday and things like that. There's different items. There's nails in here. There's dice in here. There's some coins that remember that Judas betrayed him for for, for coin, for, for money. Um, and so this helps you as a, a family. If you've got little kids, you can put it, or even just individually, just put it on your kitchen table and it just is a symbol there, a reminder at the center of your table um, that we're in this season. And so both the devotional and then these, they're free to you. They're here at, um, at the back of our church. If you um, are uh, not around to pick those up I can mail them to you you just text me email me and I will get that to you or if you want to stop by sometime and pick one up for you and your family that would be great Um, we also are uh, registering kids for camp already Uh, so uh, please uh, go to Covenant Cedars website register your kid for summer camp the early registration goes through the month of March So there's about six weeks left of that, too, to register your kid for summer camp. And we have discounts. If you if you mark our church down um, and use our code, um, our church will help pay for your kid to go to camp. So please do that. If you need more information, talk to myself or Pastor Jessica, our children's pastor, to be able to to get that to you. And uh, we'll uh, be excited to see your kid at camp. All right, if you are uh, got your Bibles there, if you wouldn't mind, turn over to, to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, today is our final Sunday in looking at this healthy series, uh, and uh, it's a really important one. So Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20 is what I'm going to look at today. Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. It says this, Finally, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God 
so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted up and ready from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith, for which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil ones. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me that I would fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly like I should. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God each day so that you can take your stand. That word stand appears a few times within this short uh, reading. Stand your ground. Stand firm, it says. You know, God works in mysterious ways. I'm often amazed at how he guides and leads us. Pat Moore uh, from our church came up to me last Sunday and as he was walking out and he told me that he had been praying for me, which I very much appreciate and need. And he told me he had a couple verses that he thought might encourage me and he handed me a slip of paper where he had written two scriptures. One was the armor of God, which I just read for us uh, and I'm preaching on today. And the other was from 2 Kings chapter 6, which is this great story in the Old Testament of a time when God's people appeared to be trapped, surrounded by an enemy that was huge. It says in 2 Kings 6.15 that when the people woke up in the morning and they went out and they looked beyond their walls, the whole city was surrounded by an army of horses and chariots wanting to overtake them. During the night, the enemy had moved in just suddenly. And God's people were afraid, caught off guard. They were surrounded and outnumbered on every side. And and so when they wake up, they they look out and they start to panic. And they say, what are we going to do? But 2 Kings 6.16 says, Elisha the prophet stood up among them and said to the people, don't be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then it says, Elisha prayed, O Lord, open their eyes that they might see. And it says, the Lord opened the eyes of the people and they looked out again. But this time they didn't just see the enemy, but beyond the enemy, right over the hill, was ready and waiting the army full of horses and chariots of fire, it says. 
an angel army was just beyond the hill, invisible but just as present, for God was watching over them. In that moment, God gave his people eyes to see the truth, eyes to see in the spirit, not just the physical, to know that they weren't outnumbered, they weren't alone. He was with them and ready. God had sent his angels to watch over them, and in his strength, his people would overcome. At times when we're caught off guard, when it feels too much for us, when we look around with just our physical eyes and we see what is before us, sometimes we can become afraid or feel overwhelmed by our circumstances. But in those moments, we must pray like the prophet prayed, Lord, open my eyes that I might see not just this giant or mountain before me, but you who goes with me. Reminds me of the story of Pharaoh and and the Egyptian army when they're racing down the mountain to capture the Israelite people who appeared to be vulnerable and trapped at the sea's edge. And God's people at first reaction feared the worst. But Moses told them in Exodus 14, 13, don't be afraid, stand your ground. And you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you. You just need to be still right now. And sure enough, we read that's when the miracle happened. The great sea parted before them and the people walked through on dry ground. And when the Egyptian army tried to go in after them, God released the waters again and washed them all away. Reminds me of when David faced Goliath. It appeared that he alone had the eyes to see what no one else in his army did. He could see with eyes of faith into the truth and how the giant was daunting. But he had the Lord who was more than. Reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were in the fire. Or Daniel when he's in the lion's den. And and the king looked in and saw these men were not alone. The Lord was protecting them from the fire. Protecting Daniel by closing the mouth of lions. All of these stories in the Bible. They're not children's stories from a long time ago. They're accounts of what actually happened. And they're meant to encourage us in our life today and teach us that no matter what unexpectedly comes up and happens, that things that you might have to face, no matter what the enemy throws at you, look again. Don't just see the army in front of you. See the army with you. And don't give up. Stand strong. Stand firm. Don't be afraid. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand. For we are Christians and we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And we don't face our battles alone by ourselves, just in our own inadequate power. But we go through life With the Lord of all lords, the king of all kings, the one who overcame the grave. 1 John 4, 4 says, you dear children are from God and you've overcome. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Do you believe that today?
I do. He is greater than anything I might face. He is more. In our sermon series, Healthy, this is what I wanted to talk about today on our final message in the series. The importance of wearing the armor each day that we might be able to take our stand. But I realized in looking at this scripture again that before we get into the armor and what it all means, we have to begin by talking about our eyes. My father-in-law just went in to have his eyes worked on, cataracts. And I have to go in and get my eyes looked at again. I need new glasses, and I think I'm going to have to eat some humble pie and get bifocals or transitions because my eyes are getting old, and it's about time I admitted it. For I can't see the written page like I could before. My eyes need a little more help these days because seeing is important. Well, our scripture for today is talking about the armor of God, yes, but what the scripture actually opens with first is talking about our eyes, seeing what really is, seeing with eyes of faith. For Paul says, your real struggle here is not against flesh and blood. Look again. The battle you're in, he's saying, is not with your wife. It's not with your brother-in-law or the Democrats or the Republicans or alcohol or depression. For whatever you can see in the physical, look again for the real battle, the real reason you keep falling, keep struggling, keep losing ground is because the battle's just a little bit deeper, you see. The Bible is telling us here that we've got a, a, an enemy and it's not who we think. It's not flesh and blood. So don't get distracted, he's saying by that. Our scripture in verse 11 and 12 says, put on the full armor of each God each day so that you can take your stand against who? Against the devil's schemes. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The real battle that you and I face is a spiritual one. And to win that battle, we have to fight spiritually. If we want to overcome the things that keep winning in our life, if we want to, we've got to first here recognize the real battle is a spiritual one and to fight it in a spiritual way. Back at the time that Paul is writing this, the church was being persecuted by the Jewish authorities as well as by the Roman Empire. And on top of that, the churches were having their own personal struggles with unity and false teachers and just all of our own sins. People's lives and mission were being threatened. And it would have been real easy to get distracted and to try and fight the wrong battles the wrong way, thinking that our problem was Rome or or the Pharisees, or this one person, or whatever. But Paul is saying, no, look again. Look deeper. Look at what's really going on here. The devil's at work. The real battle is not this person or this one issue, or this something that you can just win with your swords, or a new pill. No, the real battle is over your soul, over your heart, your faith, your truth. Your witness, it's the battle of good versus evil and light versus the darkness. 
It is that same serpent, he's saying, from the garden. Behind the scenes, still trying to manipulate what is. Still trying to pull us away from the love and truth of God and the purposes of God. Look again and look with eyes of faith. Know the battle you are really in. Jesus said in John 10, that thief, he comes to try to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life to the full. So what is going on in our scripture for today is that Paul is trying to help other believers see the bigger picture and how they overcome it. They first have to recognize they're in a spiritual battle and to fight a spiritual battle, you need spiritual armor. Paul mentions seven essentials here that we all got to put on spiritually each day to stand strong in the Lord, to overcome the temptations when they come, to overcome the addictions and the discouragements and the doubts and the fears and the identity and a cultural war and all the battles that we uniquely will face in our life. We need to put on a full armor of God every day to be able to stand this one to be able to overcome. And the seven essentials he mentions here are this. The first is truth. Paul says, put on the belt of truth. A, a Roman soldier's belt was the center of their armor and it, it held all the other pieces in, in place. So Paul is saying, this is how important the truth is. You see, the truth is everything. The truth of God, the truth of Christ as our Savior, the, the truth about ourselves, our own sin and our own needs, the truth of his word, the truth is the first key thing we got to have in place to win this spiritual battle. Throughout the Bible, the devil is called the great deceiver. His biggest weapon is lies, even just small distortions of the truth until we are slowly led away into crazy. We see this in the very story of creation and the fall. The serpent lied to Adam and Eve. He came to Eve and said, did God really say you shouldn't eat from this tree or you will die? And when Eve said, yes, he did. The serpent lied to Eve. He said, no, you certainly won't die. God just knows that if you eat of this tree, you will become like him. I think this shows us exactly how the devil gets into our head and begins to mess up our life. He distorts the truth of God, even just maybe a little bit at a time. We begin to question or believe him instead of the truth of God's word. Eve believed the serpent and she began to look at the tree and her feelings about it began to change. For it says that she saw what now looked good for food and she reasoned it also provided wisdom, which couldn't be bad. And so she took some and ate it and gave some to her husband and instantly shame came. And regret and sin and death and pain and hiding away from God rather than walking with God. The devil had won the battle because he got Adam and Eve to believe a lie. Every day we are being told lies. We have to know the truth. The first essential we need to win the spiritual battles in our life is the truth. We must believe God. We aren't to just believe in God, but believe God 
every word that he has said, to trust him with our life, to trust the truth of his word, which tells us to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding because God never lies. His word is a light into our path. And every day we've got to stand on his word. We have to trust in his promises. We have to trust what God says about us. Trust what he says about right and wrong and who we are and not who someone else says or what someone else thinks. Don't trust in what you hear from the media or from other people or even your own hearts that can deceive us or our own minds where ego and fear and touts can creep in. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts and our ways are not God's ways. And so to win the battle begins in the mind. It begins with the truth. You have to trust God and fill your head with truth. And, and sometimes we don't want to face the truth. It's convicting. It's humbling. We want to keep doing our own thing, keep living the lie. We're running away. We want to keep doing the deeds of darkness. We're afraid of what we'll see if we really looked into the mirror. The pain of our own sinful hearts and brokenness or hurts or sadness, loss, fear, or the things we don't want to look at. But we got to look at them. Healing can't happen until you begin with the truth. Remember, no matter where you're starting today, no matter your broken or sinful self or whatever, truth declares that God loves you. He sent his son to save you. And upon the cross, he died for all your sins and mine. Which leads us to the second piece of armor, and that's the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness we need. The breastplate guarded the soldier's heart and vital organs the core of who we are, in the same way the righteousness of Christ guards our heart and life. Romans 3.21 says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and prophets testify. The righteousness of God, not our righteousness, but his. That is our armor, and that's how strong it is. Not my righteousness, my goodness, which isn't strong at all, which would just fall apart. But his righteousness is able to cover me, protect me. I am saved, not by my works, but his. He holds my heart. The devil cannot have me. Even if I fall terribly, his righteousness covers over me. His love, his blood washes away all my sin. Romans 3 says, this righteousness is given to us by faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew or Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. You have to have the breastplate of righteousness on every day which means you got to remember why and how you are forgiven and who you are. This is one of those key essentials and truths we Christians must live in every day and guard our heart with, for it guards us from pride or self-righteousness when we begin to think we are better than another or that God loves us because of what we do. No, this is self-righteousness and it has not got the power to save you. But the true righteousness that comes from God in Christ can protect you. It protects us also from discouragement or hopelessness, which are two of the devil's tactics. 
Because after we fail, after we sin, he will try and convince you that you are not saved, that you are not loved of God, that you are not a Christian because look at what you did. But those are the times we need the breastplate of righteousness or when others are judging us and making us feel condemned. But we need to remember the breastplate of righteousness will guard us against this attack. We have to remember each day why and how we are saved. We are saved by the love of God through the blood of Christ, by the mercy and grace of the Lord, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He knew who we were. He knew what we would even do afterwards and the struggles we would have our whole life. But he came that we might forever be his. I think of, of Peter after his terrible failure of denying the Lord three times. I think of Paul and how the horrible things he did in his past, and yet the Lord still came for him. I think of Zacchaeus, uh, the tax collector, and how a whole community condemned him, but Jesus entered into his house. I think of the woman caught in adultery and how the Lord said uh, to to the one whom everybody else was ready to stone to death, he says, I don't condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. It is the righteousness of God which saves us, which covers over our heart like a breastplate. And the enemy is unable to penetrate the blood of Christ. We may be convicted of our sin as we should. But we are never condemned anymore because he loves us and he died in our place. And our faith is in him, not in us. Our soul forever belongs to him. And so don't let the devil convince you otherwise. You belong to the Lord. Put on the breastplate of his righteousness to guard your heart every day. The third piece of armor that Paul mentions is a good one. It is feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I am convinced that what Paul is talking about here are shoes that are laced up and ready to go and make peace with other believers. To not only share the good news with people who need to hear it, but also to reconcile with those we have offended. To love as we have been loved. To make peace again with them as God has made it with us through mercy, through grace. To do, as it says earlier in Ephesians, to do everything we can to keep the unity of the faith, to forgive as we have been forgiven. Again, I think this idea fits with Paul's message that our true battle is not against flesh and blood. Whenever we begin to hate our brother, we lose. Whenever we don't forgive, we lose. Whenever we fail to love one another, the devil wins. The love of Christ is not made known in us if we do not exhibit it. The gospel of Jesus cannot be proclaimed in that place where it is not shown. When we love one another as he loves... He is seen in that and the message is received in that. When we go quickly to reconcile with our brother, uh, you know, we are then no longer divided. And through grace and humility, the devil loses his power over us. And together we're stronger. Paul says in Ephesians 4, make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. For there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one God and Father who is over all, through all, and in all. When our feet are laced up, we are quick to go with that gospel in word and action, and the devil can't win. The love of God overcomes our divisions. I'll, I'll tell you, I know that I am in a spiritual battle when I am fighting against my own wife, right? 
arguing over things and we're feeling divided. And the devil is trying to divide us because he knows how important that union is. Because he knows we are stronger together and we need one another. I know I'm in a spiritual battle when he is isolating me and pulling away me from the body or from those who love me or are looking after me. When I am not listening to my own kids or beginning to harbor resentment or bitterness, letting it grow, the devil is winning. And you want to take down a family? Destroy the marriage. You want to take down a church and its mission? Divide the people. Get them fighting amongst themselves. There was a time in my life when Carrie said to me so honestly, I'm not your enemy. I love you. I am for you. There have been times when I have noticed my anger growing towards people I serve. The devil knows if he can get between us, we will fall and the mission will fail. We are stronger together. So each day we got to lace up our humble shoes and ready to go in the gospel of peace. The fourth piece of armor we have to have on every day to win these spiritual battles is the shield of faith. I love the description Paul gives here. He says, take up your shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Every doubt as it comes in, every fear as it comes your way, like arrows, you got to hold up faith in those moments. You got to keep on believing in Jesus with eyes fixed on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Put up that shield of faith. Choose to live your life by faith in God. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the confidence we have in whom we trust and the assurance of things we do not yet see. It was faith that caused Noah to trust God and build an ark without even one drop of rain. And faith to keep on building year after year when everybody else was saying, What are you doing? It was faith in God that caused Abraham to leave his home and his security for a land that he had been promised that he had not seen yet. And faith to believe that God could give him and his wife a child. It was faith that caused Moses to stand before Pharaoh, even though he was so scared. And it was faith for him not to give up, even when everything got worse before it got better. It was faith that caused Mary to believe in God when he said she would be the mother of our Lord. It was faith for Peter to drop his fishing nets to go follow Jesus and then keep following him when he realized the cost. Every one of these people had their struggles and their failures, but they kept putting their faith in Christ and God accomplished what he willed in them. And I can say that for me, it's one thing to start believing. It's another thing to keep on believing in that vision when the arrows start coming in. This is where this scripture, I think, practically comes out in my life because I'm a worrier, as you know. And so to take up the shield for me means that as soon as that doubt comes in in the morning or those worries start to fill my heart or thoughts begin to enter into my mind, at that time, I got to hold up my faith in the Lord. I got to put up my shield. I have to not go where that thought wants me to go. I can't let that doubt grow or that fear penetrate my emotions or drive my decisions. I got to choose to live by faith instead. I got to cling to the promises I got. I got to rest within his word and let the arrows bounce off and not go in. 
recognize the enemy is trying to get to you and destroy your faith and to stop you from doing what God is wanting you to do, trying to steal your day of rest or your joy or peace in that moment. Don't let the arrow in. Repeat a good Bible verse. Pray, hold up that shield of faith. I love that the shield that the Roman soldiers had, it was a large shield. And when they were under attack, the soldiers would kneel behind that shield. And when they knelt, they were completely covered from the arrows. But they had to kneel to be fully shielded. The fifth piece of armor is the helmet of salvation. It is having the mind of Christ each day. It is thinking like a saved person. Remembering the battle's already been won. Our king is the the king of all kings and he's already defeated the enemy. And so our life is now about living for him and his purposes and whatever temporary struggle we might face, it's not worth comparing to the glory that'll one day be revealed. And so we're looking forward to that. It is lifting up our head and focusing on the eternal things and serving God with our days. It is living like a saved person. 1 Peter 2 says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of his darkness and now into his wonderful light. Remember who you are, right? He says, I urge you to abstain from the sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the nations that though they accuse you of wrong, they might see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. For me, practically, this means when I find myself in a situation that is difficult, remembering that I got to think like a saved person. Think like a child of God, like a follower of Christ whom he has redeemed and is preparing a place for now in heaven and and one day is going to return to this earth and take us to be with him. So with all of that in mind, what really matters in this moment? Does winning this argument matter at all? Does it bring glory to God in any way or steal from him? Does this promotion or thing that I really want or whatever, is is this going to last? Or is there something better that I can be living for or doing in this moment? I am saved. And I got just a little time down here on this earth to make a difference for my Savior. So it's putting on that helmet of salvation, thinking like a saved person. The sixth piece of armor is the sword, which is the word of God. And I've already spoken a whole sermon about this, so I won't speak much about it here other than to say that the Bible is the only weapon mentioned here by Paul. It is to be used to uh, not to hit one another on the head with, but to fight against our real enemy, the devil. And Jesus is our example for when he was tempted, he used the word of God to overcome. To every temptation, the Lord came back with the word. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is written, don't put the Lord your God to a test. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And afterwards, the devil just gave up and left. We fight temptation through the word. That's why it's so important to be in it every day and to know it, to meditate on it, to memorize it and reflect on it with others and apply it to our life because it's the one sword we got that will defeat him every time. The last thing I end with this, the final piece of armor, uh, which the more I thought about it this week is the one we often overlook, but I think is possibly one of the most important pieces, and it is prayer specifically praying for each other. We can't miss here that Paul is saying, pray for me. He says in verse 19, pray for me that the words I speak from the Lord, uh, I would speak them fearlessly 
and that I would make known the mystery of the gospel to others. And I think Paul is opening up. He needs the prayers. He says, pray for one another. He even says in verse 18, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. We are to be looking out for each other spiritually. Alert when you start to notice a friend going astray or falling into discouragement or depression or believing bad things. Be alert to what the Spirit shows you and go talk with them, but also just pray for them. It is how we fight our battles on our knees for each other. We shouldn't just pray for ourselves or our wants or our people's physical needs, but we need to pray spiritually. Pray for people's faith and strength and hope and love and courage to stand. Uh, prayer for the battles. Jesus even asked his disciples to pray for him. You know, with the cross just hours away, the Bible says Jesus' soul was overwhelmed to the point of death. He was under spiritual attack. He knew what he was called to do, where he was called to go, and yet he needed the help in prayer to get there. He asked his disciples to pray. We're to confess our sins and pray for each other that we might overcome sin in our life. We're to carry each other's burdens in prayer. We're to lift up the grieving for hope in prayer. We're to lift up the weak for strength. We're to pray for peace amidst our conflicts, for unity, for direction for people when they're lost, for God's spirit to change hearts and open eyes. We're to pray for our spouses, for our kids. We're to pray for each other, for our leaders, to cover each other in prayer. It's how we win the real battle that matters. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.